Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Here we go. All right. I'm excited today because I have a former classmate of mine and a friend of, and a good friend of mine, Ben Thayer, joining me today. And Ben is a fellow UNC Kenan Flagler MBA alum from the class of 2016 and someone who was also featured in MBA Insider for really sh- the, sharing his experience at UNC Kenan Flagler and some of the stories and lessons that he learned around, along the way. And just to, I guess, start, well, first off, you know, Ben, thank you for joining me today. And I guess maybe just to start, could you maybe talk a little bit about what you did before you moved or moved down to Chapel Hill and attended, you know, UNC Kenan Flagler? And why did you even entertain, you know, the idea of going to business school, you know, in the first place at that point in your career? Thanks, Al. Um, thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Um, so I actually, uh, I lived in the Chapel Hill area um, for about 10 years before business school. So I was pretty familiar. I think actually on my application to UNC Keenan Flagler, um, I mentioned that I was on a first name basis with the bartenders at the Crunkleton, uh, which is a popular cocktail bar in Chapel Hill. Um, so I was pretty familiar with the lay of the land. I was not a Carolina um, undergrad. Um, I got my undergrad up at um, Tufts University in the Boston area. Um, but I moved down to Chapel Hill originally just for a change of scenery, um, for a little bit slower pace, and to pursue my career as a civil engineer. Um, so I worked for about nine or 10 years as a civil engineer doing stormwater management plans, doing uh, d- development for water and wastewater treatment plants. Um, which really has nothing to do with consulting or business uh, at all. I think I, I might have done two PowerPoint slides before business school. Um, so I came in with, a, with a, a, not a lot of business background, um, but I was really motivated. I was kind of in search of a new career. Um, my career as an engineer had kind of plateaued, um, and I was looking for something to, that, to kind of light that spark again really get me interested in, in going to work every day. Um, and I was at this alumni event for, for Tufts and um, this guy was talking about, he was in business school and he was, he was, he wanted to be a management consultant. I was like, what is a management consultant? He's like, Oh, you know, we, we go and we help businesses solve problems. It's like, you know, a lot of them, a lot of these problems can be financial related, but they're all sorts of things. It's, it's strategy. It, it's really people focused, but you're still using data to solve problems. And I was like, you know what, that's what I want to do. And I know I can still remember it was a Middle Eastern restaurant. I know where I was sitting when that light bulb went off. Uh, and so I started reaching out and people said, you know, if you want to be a management consultant, go to business school. Um, I looked around, uh, I didn't get into a couple schools, but, um, UNC Keenan Flagler offered me uh, in-state tuition and some scholarship money because I uh, for for some of my performances um, on standardized tests. So it was an easy transition for me. Um, I was already in the Chapel Hill area. I was kind of familiar with, you know, the grocery stores and where people lived and everything. So um, that part of it was easy. I didn't have to move all my stuff to a new apartment, but man, go into that, um, when it, we called it ASW. Um, yeah. and that was a few, like a month of pre business school and it was finance and accounting and I think econ. Yep. And man, I think I raised my hand at one point. I was like, what does incremental mean? Or <laughs> no, what is it? It's some, not incremental, but, um, there's another word, but anyways, I raised my hand and I asked a really dumb question and I knew it was a dumb question, but I really wanted to know the answer because like they were using this vocab that just completely mystified me. So there was a lot of areas where I had a pretty steep learning curve uh, going from a engineer who stared at AutoCAD all day to an aspiring management consultant. Um, 
So it was a bit of a challenge for me, but I knew what I wanted to do going in. And that was, that was, that motivation was really helpful throughout my business school experience. Yeah, no. And I think what you're describing in terms of raising your hand to ask that question is because, you know, the concept seems so foreign to you because it was so different than what you had been doing. I, I don't think you're alone in that. I think that's, that's something that is fairly common, especially for folks who maybe haven't worked in business or, you know, a business type setting or, or, or a corporate organization before going into business school, but it's a very real, so it's a very, it's a very real thing. And I'm just also curious, what was it like, I guess, mentally leading up to school? Because I presume that when you went, when you graduated from college, you know, you, you thought you were going to be a civil engineer the whole rest of your life, right? Like, yeah, for sure. What was that mindset shift like of, of moving from, Oh, I went to college and I got this job to this career that I'm going to have to, Oh, just kidding. I'm going to go in a different direction. You know, what, what was that like? Um, that's a good question. And there was kind of two phases. The first phase was kind of all the time leading up to business school. Right. And that was interesting for me because I was, telling people about my dream. I was communicating that, that light bulb moment of, Hey, I, I figured out what I really want to do with my career. And some of the people that I've talked to understood. Um, I can remember going to a family gathering and an uncle was like, Oh yeah, you know, uh, I'm in the transportation industry and we do the same thing every time and we'll have consultants come in and they'll tell us, Hey, you should renegotiate your contract. And we're like, oh, we didn't even think about that. We haven't renegotiated this contract in six years. And they save us a little bit of money and it helps out. And they pay for themselves and, you know, so it's a good deal. And I talked to other people and they're like, you want to do what? <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's that phase where I was still kind of motivated by the dream, by the idea. And then I got to business school and I, I think I had some conflict or something during the experience weekend. So I didn't, I didn't do the full experience weekend before business school, but I got in uh, the first weekend of ASW. So kind of that pre-business school and like two thirds of our class was there. And man, it was awesome. I met so many new people and instantly I was like, I'm going to be friends with all these people. They're fantastic. And it was just such a, a, a wide open arms experience. And I met so many cool people. And then like a month later, the rest of the people in my class showed up and all the second year showed up and it was like, Oh my God, now I have like 400 new friends. Um, and so really that, that the early part of business school was rough, but, but meeting so many like-minded people who were just motivated to be there and just excited. Um, that was such a huge rush. That was such a, a big source of um, motivation for me to kind of, climb this this mountain of, of business school and, and face these challenges. Um, I could tell you a story about a, uh, a little video we made um, back in 2014 called an ice bucket challenge. Yeah, I remember it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can remember we got to campus and we were sitting around, this is a few weeks in, we're sitting around at um, one of the, the local establishments in Chapel Hill um, over a few beers and somebody's like, Hey Ben, check this out. And they show me a video on their phone and it's, um, it's, uh, Fuqua, the business school at Duke, which is just down the road. Um, and they had done ice bucket challenge. And back in 2014, this was all the rage. So it was kind of like, everybody's challenging everybody. And so Duke challenged us. I'm like, and I'm looking around cause and I felt some, some sense of, uh, pride, right? Because yeah. I've been rooting for Carolina's basketball teams for years and living in Chapel Hill. And I, and I wanted to communicate that, that, that pride in, in Carolina, in, in UNC um, and that, that um, rivalry with Duke to all of my classmates. So I said, guys, we got to respond. And so I organized kind of a little bit of a video. We, we filmed at a few different places around campus um, had found recruit a, a, somebody to do the videos, recruited somebody, a bunch of other people to organize, found somebody who knew how to edit video. We ended up doing this big final scene. Somebody went and talked to the fire chief in Chapel Hill and they brought a fire engine to like hose everybody down during this ice bucket challenge. Like it just I got so this. epic. Oh, it was so much fun. And it was like, you know, in my first month of business school, I'm exposed to these, these new academic subjects, these new challenges, so many awesome, cool friends, and then just so many 
possibilities that were just wide open. It was like, hey, we should do this. We should make it awesome. And everybody's like, yeah, we're going to take it up one level. Oh, yeah, we're going to take it up two more notches. And it was just, it was so much fun. Um, and this is before, of course, recruiting started and, you know, all the disappointments right. that happen that are just a part of business <laughs> school. <laughs> I mean, because disappointment is part of it, too. It's part of any experience. But yeah. that first month was just crazy. It was so awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I think to your point, it, it may be, you know, it may be one of those things, too, where um, there's probably a certain amount of angst or concern that comes with any types of transition. But every now and then you have those moments where they kind of give you that extra boost of confidence that, okay, I'm, I'm not, I haven't, I haven't gotten there yet, but yep. there's certain checkpoints or check marks to, to give you the confidence to be like, yeah, okay. I think this is the direction I need to be going in. And, and that, and I think that's what it sounds like for you just in terms of knowing that you were surrounded by all these other people, knowing that you were learning all these really new and interesting things, even though they were maybe a little complex or challenging at least at first, but Getting yeah. those boost, booster shots, if you will, I think is is super is super great and super valuable. And and I do remember this now. Now you're jogging <laughs> my memory. I remember the fire truck. And this is this is perfect because you actually just teed up a segue for me because and it, with a perfect metaphor. And I almost hate that I'm doing this, but here we are. <laughs> um, so I want you to talk about the first couple months of business school. And they often say that. It's like drinking from the proverbial fire hose. <laughs> See what I yep. did there? Yep, you know, there it is. Uh, there it is. Um, here we are. But um, no, but no. So yeah, talk to, talk to me about, you know, you're here, like you have all these exciting things going on. You have all these challenges going on. But what were those first couple mo- months for you like, particularly as, as you said, as being a career switcher and as, uh, you know, from an academic perspective, you know, getting exposed to all these new subjects and topics and, and, and things. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'll say like, uh, one of the things I enjoy about being a consultant is we could use metaphors all the time. And I love the drinking from a fire hose metaphor. And it is so apt for those first few months of business school. Um, you're right. It's a cliche, but it's just, it's, it's, it, I mean, it's dead on. There are so many opportunities. There are so many people who are enthusiastic about, different things to do be it career choices so oh you got to come to this company presentation um it's hershey's and they're handing all this free candy Ooh, that sounds like fun i like candy um (laughs) or it's um cisco and they're local to the the raleigh area and they have such an awesome marketing team and finance opportunities and you got to check this out it's like ooh, that sounds like fun or it's this club you know it's like the there's the wine club okay that sounds awesome oh yeah and there's this guy who brews beer and he likes to have people over every month oh yeah i want to do that club too um or hey you got to come out for soccer we do soccer three times a month and you know everybody's there it's a lot of fun all ability levels oh check that out there are so many things to say yes to um there is a challenge as well and for me, the challenge was shifting back into an academic mindset. Um, I was like, my brain was hurting the first few weeks of class because I had to sit in one place. I couldn't get up and, you know, uh, wander around and chat with people. I had to sit in one place and just receive information. And so it was like, receive, receive, receive. Whereas when you're working, it's, it's a balance of transmitting information and talking to people and then listening. You know, maybe you're on a conference call or you're reading research or you're trying to understand a different concept. But it's this balance of receive and transmit. And then you sit down in class and it's just receive, receive, receive. And my brain would hurt just like trying to shift back into that, that academic setting. Um, and so balancing all this out, right? So you've got this shift into the academic mindset. You've got all these different opportunities to do beyond class. So after 5 p.m. or whenever class ended. Um, and so uh, I, I, I'll say I struggled a little. So there, there was this kind of this, this shift um, going, going into this, this academic mindset, but also trying to, to figure out what I wanted to do after class, right? So after 5 p.m., whenever classes ended. And I, I think I let, I let some of that be driven by the people. Um, but I, only, I also only had so much capacity 
you know, as a, as a person, as a human being to, to accomplish everything. I didn't really want to stay up until uh, one or two in the morning every day doing homework. And so it was, it was a challenge in budgeting my time. Um, and I'll say like, I made a few mistakes. There were some late nights where I may have done a crappy job on my homework because I was trying to socialize with all my friends. Uh, but I kind of got into the swing of it after, after the first couple months. Um, but it was a challenge. And I'll say, it, it even, I'll, I'll take this one step further. My second mod, it was really challenging because the classes got harder. I realized that I had an easy schedule um, in my first mod because my first class every day was at 930 in the morning. Fast forward a few months, mod two, and all of a sudden I'm waking up for 8 a.m. classes. And that was rough because nobody goes to bed at 1030 in business school. I mean, there's a few, there's people out there who go to bed at 1030 in business school, but uh, it wasn't me. <laughs> right. So I, I had a hard time adjusting to that schedule, had a hard time adjusting to um, some of the more softer classes. Like uh, I think we had a strategy class in mod two. And that challenged me in ways that something there was more um, quantitative, like statistics or accounting, uh, those were less of a challenge for me, given my background as an engineer. Um, but I mean, it's, if I was going to offer a reflection on how to deal with those challenges, I mean, it, it's just a series of failures, right? And then you learn from them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's just kind of trying to identify ways you can learn and ways to strike that balance. Yeah, there's no, I think that's great. And I think what, there's a couple of things that you said there that I'd love to go further on. Cause I think they're really, I think they're really important. Um, like number one, actually, let me just start by saying, um, I had like a hour long exchange with my editor when I wrote the book because of the phrase drinking from the fire hose, <laughs> because it appeared so many times in the book and she was like, how come, like, is this like a thing? And I'm like, yeah, it is. It's just synonymous with business school. And it literally was unintentional. It was just that so many people I was interviewing all literally said it the same. And I actually think I gave, I think I actually used your phrase drinking for, I, I attributed it to one of your quotes. So you actually got credit for it. Um, whereas other people I had to take it away from because it appeared too many times. Um, but it, that just goes to speak to how universal, I think, in particular, those first couple months of school are for many people, um, regardless if you're ever a career switcher or not. There's just, there's just a lot of things that are going on and a lot of competing priorities. And, you know, as you said, sometimes it does mean doing a crappy job on something because you have to focus your energy on, on something else. And that's just, that's life, um, you know, priorities, right? And um, yeah. I guess so. So first off, just to go further on that, like, how did you, how did you get make peace with yourself when when you did have an experience like that where you couldn't do two, th you know, you could only be in one place at once, so you had to let go of something else. Like, did you just did, were you able to let go of it pretty easy? Like, was it hard, or or how were you able to kind of manage, you know, through that, um, particularly when they were both things that you, like, in theory, cared about, but you know, can't, you can't do everything. Yeah. Um, I think I started getting better at defining the scope and I mm -hmm. yeah. apologize. I sound like a consultant here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's cause you are one, but, but keep going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so for example, one of the, the first things I got drafted to do was um, in, as part of the consulting club, I was doing the newsletters every week and um, I think there were some other opportunities to kind of add to, to, to like publish some things and do like brochures for different events. And I was like, guys, I, I can't handle this. I can, I can do the newsletter every week. It's pretty straightforward. Um, it was like a two hour task every week and I'd kind of review it with the club president and then we'd send it out. But it got to the point where doing the extra stuff was just too much. And so I was pretty open and I was I communicated. I said, look, I need to ask for help on this, this task. I, I can't do this thing. And I said, that's okay. Um, and I think there might've been a couple of things that got dropped that where, you know, I couldn't do it. So nobody did it. And I felt bad about that, but I mean, on the other hand, like nobody else could do it because nobody else at time. So that was a, a little bit of consolation for me. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, it's it, sometimes stuff just gets dropped. Um, sometimes I turned in homework assignments that weren't as polished as I wanted them to be. Um, and that was tough because, you know, just like a lot of other high achievers who go to business school, um, I wanted to do well in everything and I couldn't. Uh, mm. So I'll say that I probably didn't go as deep as I could have in some assignments. And it, it's the other thing that happens. It's like, so yeah, I probably couldn't have gone as deep into some of the assignments that I wanted to, but like, you kind of understand how deep you have to go. So the other thing about business school is it gets easier with practice. So yeah, I had to manage early on and there were some things that, that I couldn't do because like you said, you can't be in two places at once, but on the other hand, it gets easier. Like week by week you get, you learn techniques, you start to block out your time, you get really aggressive with outlook and scheduling. And, and I, you know, it, it became pretty apparent to me that, okay, my calendar is entirely full. Um, and I can't add anything more. So I started, you know, I started to get a little bit better at saying no. Um, but you're right. Like early on, it was challenging, um, but you're, you're just thrown into it. And um, it didn't take long before I got pretty overloaded. So it, it didn't take long before I started to do to develop those coping mechanisms. Sorry, guys, I can't do this specific thing. Um, I'll stay in my lane. I can do the stuff that, that, that I do every week, but I can't take on extra or sorry, I can't make that time commitment. I've got to do this other thing. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. No, you, you learn to put up boundaries. Right. And yeah. You, and for them. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. And I know for me, at least in a professional sense, when I have to do that, one of the things that I always try to do is <clears throat> particularly when I have to tell someone I can't do the thing for them that they're asking me to do. I always kind of say, you know, here, here's what I, here's what I can promise I can deliver to you. Right. And yeah. whatever it ends up being. Right. And, and, and I always find that that is, is always like a well-received kind of like tactic, but the end of the day, like what I think you're, what you're doing or what you did is you ha you went through a process of figuring out what your priorities were and what was most important to you. And then you just made sure that your activities align to that. And, and that's ultimately what everyone has to go through for themselves and figure out for themselves. Because if you don't, um, you will find yourself getting stuck with a lot of things that you probably want to do, but may not necessarily have, you know, all the time to do. Um, yeah. so. And I'll, actually I'll point out one thing you said, uh, prioritizing that doesn't happen once. Yeah. It happens every yeah. week, every yeah. week I reprioritize and, there were some weeks where I would say to myself consciously, okay, this week is going to be career focused. Yeah. And I didn't feel as bad about letting academics slide. And then next week it'd be like, nope, there's a really important assignment. I really want to dive deep on this. Okay. Academics this week are going to be important, but you're right. The setting priorities is, is key. Yeah, no, I, I, I love how you say that. It's, it's not a one-time thing. It's constant. I think I have to remember who said it in the book, but the quote is something along the lines of like business school is one giant prioritization exercise. And, <laughs> and I think, I think that's, I think that's true. Um, okay. So one other thing I wanted to talk about bringing up from the book. So there's a great story that, that is in the book that you talk about that happened and it was around, I think you're at core economics class and just about uh, the story revolves around just kind of working and collaborating with your classmates. You know, as you said, you go to business school and there's a lot of other high achievers and a lot of other people who are really smart and work hard, yada, yada, yada. Um, maybe walk us, I don't want to get, I don't lead the witness too far, but maybe talk about kind of that, you know, experience that story in that econ class. And just, um, you know, for me, what I got out of it was just the idea of, you know, being able to contribute what you can based off your strengths, but also, no, recognizing that there's some other great people that are there with you. So I guess I'll just shut up and let you tell the story, but, um, but yeah, could you talk more about that? <laughs> yeah, no, Al, you're, you're right on it, man. And um, yeah, that, that's a good preview of the takeaways, right? Uh, it's asking, asking for help is important um, because, you know, go back to the, the um, ice bucket challenge story. I was pretty terrible at accounting pretty early on, but I could, assemble a group of people together and put together a plan. 
so everybody's got their strengths and weaknesses. And I think, yeah, you're right. That was really clarified for me. Um, it was finals at the end of mod one. And our um, econ teacher at the time was um, uh, Professor Weld. This guy, man, he was rough. He, he was the, always the smartest guy in the room. Everybody knew it. And his tests were, he would describe them as gentle. <laughs> but man, they were rough. Uh, so it really pushed you to think in ways that you, you might not have considered. And his tests, oh, they were challenging. Um, so there's a group of us, there's three of us. It was Sam and Christy and I, and we kind of hung out um, early on. And, and when it came to studying, we were all kind of on the same page. We all wanted to, to be, we all wanted to perform. We wanted to get good grades. And we kind of identified that early on. And so Christy reserved um, this one uh, study room down in the, the basement of uh, the, the, the academic building and we hold away there studying for all the different files and it was, so it was like a week's worth of files one per day and so we we'd study for you know eight hours a day in this cramped little study room um, and just crank it out and so we we went to um, the econ um, uh, practice session and, and that really clarified because it's like Christy was good at some things. Um, she was really good at the marketing and strategy and, and those aspects. Uh, Sam was nuts at finance. Um, and my talent was being able to read the professor. So when all of a sudden Professor Weld brought up this um, lemons problem, and it, you know, I, it's been a few years since I was in business school, so I could not relate to you the specifics of this um, issue, but it was kind of one of these um, uh, example problems that illustrated a core economic challenge and he brought it up and I was like you know what he's never talked about that before he's only bringing it up in this practice session because um, he's gonna put it on the test and so we all ran back down to the study room um, after the practice session broke up the books broke up in the notes and we're diving through we're trying to figure out where in the world he touched on this lemons problem and we figured it out and None of us really understood the problem, but we kind of broke it into pieces and worked through it and kind of put our heads together and really came up with the, with the solution. But I mean, you've got um, two really smart people and then me in this room. And <laughs> it's like, we couldn't have done it on our own. Like I was able to figure out that it was gonna be relevant. Sam and Christy were able to figure out what it meant and, and how to solve the problem. And then sure enough, the next day when we walk into the test room, there it is on the test. So we were all able to kind of muddle our way through this problem and get through it. But alone, none of us would have done it. Um, but we all kind of knew that we were all motivated similarly to, to do well on this test. And we, uh, we kind of collaborated and we weren't too proud to kind of study on our own. So the other, I, you know, I say not too proud. I will say that the other thing that's cool about business school is you recognize where your motivation comes. And I know for me, it was external. So seeing my classmates work so hard to study definitely pushed me. Um, and so, you know, like you said, that the being humble and asking for help definitely put us at an advantage. Um, and that, that kind of spirit of collaboration and bringing different skills to the table uh, let us succeed where we might've failed alone. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I love that story. And that's why I included it in the in MBA Insider, because I just I think it illustrates the power and the value of going to an MBA program where you are surrounded by really intelligent, humble and hardworking classmates. And also just in those circumstances and situations, particularly when you do feel overwhelmed or when there's a lot going on. And I think the best place where you can often start is to figure out, number one, you know, what are given what is what I know and what's going on, what, what are my strengths and how can I put them to use and not in a way where you have to do everything, but you know, what's that one thing you can do and then really working with everyone else to figure out the rest of it. So yep. uh, I think, I think, and I think that story really, really illustrates it. And certainly it's, it's in the classroom for sure. I think that's one of the most there as you see it, but it's, it's plenty of other places, right? It's in oh, yeah. like, you know, clubs and organizations, it's through recruiting, it's 
for being involved in the community and things like that. But it, it really comes, I think it really comes to life a lot, particularly in those first two quarters in, in the classroom, when you do get in situations where you kind of get put in a situation where you're like, uh, I don't know what the hell is going on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, okay. I, I would love to kind of put on kind of the, the, your, your, you kind of like with the benefit of hindsight kind of thought here. So knowing what you know now about, you know, going, particularly going through that first quarter or mod or two, or that first semester, if you will, like, what do you wish pre-MBA Ben knew about those first couple of months? Good question. Um, to pre-MBA Ben. Yeah. So I think I didn't, understand that failure was part of business school and you hear it yeah, yeah. and people say you know it's, it's a good place to try something new to fail a little bit and recover because it's you know there's there's no huge implications of making mistakes um sure there's certain mistakes you make that that will affect you like you know don't get arrested that's given <laughs> short <laughs> of like, that you're good but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but it's like, you know, trying out a new club or trying out, um, hanging out with a new group of friends or doing something different. Um, I, I don't know that I was prepared to fail as much as I ended up failing. Um, and so certainly like I was given those lessons, but, um, I think if I was more open to it and pushing myself, um, knowing that I was going to push myself as hard as I did. I should have expected it more, but um, I think, you know, the, when the first time when I was confronted with uh, and I, sometime when I, when I came up short, it stunned me. Um, yeah. For example, uh, I always thought of myself as a kind of an outgoing person and talkative. I can remember the first time I was in marketing class and the discussion is going around and going around. And here I am engineer Ben with my linear thinking. And I didn't realize, but, we were almost at the end of class and the teacher was like, all right, Ben, what do you think about this? You haven't said anything all class. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I didn't say anything all class. And this is like the first class and I'm trying to make a good impression. And it was like, oh, uh, and just, I, yeah. I had no idea where to jump in on the, in the conversation. So it's like, I wish I had been more open to the idea that, you know, I was going to fail in small ways and big. Um, in, in business school. Cause that might've prepared me a little bit more emotionally. Um, I think I, I kind of developed this saying in business school, uh, nobody bats a thousand. Right. There's just so many successful uh, driven people that, that go get an MBA that, you know, and there's only so many spots. There's so many club presidencies. There's so many internships. There's so many um, job openings that you're not going to get all of them. So, yeah, I think, I think I was a little bit over ambitious in my mindset going in and I wish I had kind of uh, still had that, that enthusiasm, but um, kind of prepared myself emotionally that, you know, I'm not going to win at everything going into in, in business school. So that, that was one, that's definitely one takeaway that um, I've learned in hindsight. I think that's a, I think that's a phenomenal takeaway. And I think it's something that, a lot of people struggle with in business school that, and for it's for the reason that you, you just outlined the whole part of the reason why people make it to a top MBA program is because of the fact they are so accomplished and they have done so many amazing things. But I think what, and to the point that you realize or that, that you kind of said with your analogy, I mean, I would, I always say the same analogy, right. Of like, if, so if, if you're a baseball fan, yeah. Um, you know, in order to make it into the hall of fame in baseball, you basically have to bat 300, right. Or, or higher. <laughs> yeah. And so, which means three for every 10, for every 10 at bats, you have to get three hits. That means you're striking out or getting out seven other times. Right. Um, and that, that, which is, a you know, in theory, like that's, that's a decent, pretty decently sized chunk of, of failures. Right. And so the, and I think that that analogy can be true about, life but in particular about business school it, it, you're, you're not gonna you're not gonna get everything that you go out for and I would also even argue very much along the line of what um Ginny Rometty the former CEO of IBM always say where she used to say uh, ta- um growth and comfort don't go hand in hand 
right? And so if you're, if you're comfortably getting everything that you're going out for, then I would really challenge you to ask yourself, are you, are you really pushing yourself to the, to the best of your abilities? And that doesn't mean you need to take the hardest class all the time or that you need to overextend. And um, because, you know, failure for failure's sake isn't fun. And there's a lot of failure that you can't learn from. But what it does mean is that there, there are going to be some times when things are not going to break your way. And in those moments, I think where business school can be really powerful, really valuable is that you're surrounded by other people who can help you learn through that process. You're, you're not, you're not there on your Island alone. Oh, yeah. And, and I think that can be really, that can be really valuable, whether it's your classmates or whether it's administrators, career management directors, or professors, many of whom have seen, you know, hundreds of other students like you kind of go through something similar. And I think, I think that yeah. is a real, real valuable aspect to have. And so if you can lead into that, I think there's so much to be gained from from when you do kind of fall down in business school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I was talking with a friend, a uh, coworker who was looking at business schools and she was like, you know, how do I choose? And it's like, you know, go to business school where, where you feel comfortable with the people because, man, you are going to depend on them. Yeah. You're going to depend on them for two years or however long the, the school is. Because, um, yeah, you know, with, without, without them, it's rough. It's rough on your own in business school. Yeah. For sure. Um, the other topic that I want to talk to you about is around career. And we talked a little bit about how, you know, you wanted to go from civil engineering to management consulting. And so, <laughs> you know, particularly in the first year, could you talk through your experience in terms of what recruiting for consulting internships was like, you know, um, from when you started until, you know, going and also go obviously going through that interview process? Yeah, I'm I'm glad we got that failure lesson out of the way cuz this this story is uh <laughs> Well, I, I like I was very close to being like <laughs> speaking of failures. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Like oh, I'm not going to do that to you. Uh, but no. uh, but but I'm um, not, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Go yeah. <forward. laughs> so like uh my recruiting process for my internship, man. I think I sent out 50 resumes. Um I think I got 17 interviews and one offer wow yeah that sounds right yeah my my first interview was like january 9th and i got the offer in mid-april so that was that was a long time that was a slog um and i'll say like so my particular experience um my personal story was an interesting one uh, my resume looked pretty good. I had a lot of help with uh, some of my classmates to try to transform. For example, uh, building a 1.5 million gallon water tank turned into a, a $50 million capital project uh, where I managed the schedule and budget. There you go. Uh, yeah. So I was able to really transform my resume with, with a lot of help. Um, I had some pretty good GMAT scores. And so I got a lot of attention from a lot of consulting firms. So right out of the gate, it was like, I think I had eight or 10 interviews with different consulting firms. Um, and so I thought, uh, I thought I was uh, doing really well. Um, but I had some pretty big holes in my interviewing ability. Um, and because I got all these interviews, I don't think I spent enough time uh, preparing for each individual employer um, and really focusing on how I could translate my skills, like you said, from being an engineer into being a, a consultant. And to be honest, I don't think I was prepared to be a consultant right out of the gate. Uh, looking back on it now, I, so for example, if I had interviewed me, if now me had interviewed first year me, I wouldn't have hired me because, uh, yeah, I mean, it, and, and back then I had no idea that was coming. So I went through like five interviews in the first week and just bombed every single one. I didn't get a single call back in the first week. And these are all like big consulting firms. They're all the ones that I wanted to work for. And that was, uh, that was a, that was kind of crushing I'll say. Um, and so that was, that was a rough week. <laughs> yeah. 
um, I, so I got through that. I went to some other interviews with um, other companies that had nothing to do with consulting. And I was completely unprepared for them because all I'd done was prepare for consulting interviews. Uh, so I got through like the first month and these were all the on-campus interviews and I flamed out of every single one, didn't get a single call back. And it was kind of a train wreck for me at that point. So I stepped back, admitted weakness, figured out that um, there weren't too many on-campus interviews left. And so I had to start scrapping at this point. Um, so I started digging through all the online job boards. Um, I started meeting with the career center, um, people once a week and I started applying for a lot of startups. I started applying for tech jobs. I was trying to figure out what the heck I was qualified for. Um, and I did some networking. I got a couple interviews here and there, um, didn't do so well on those either. And finally, like I, you know. I kind of hit my limit. I was like, I actually spoke to a career professional who was not responsible for consulting or any of the other um, areas that I was applying for. She sat me down and we went through it and she, we did some practice interviews. And she said, okay, here's your weakness. This is what you got to work on. I was like, oh yeah, okay. That makes more sense. And it was just, you know, I, I, I had failed enough times and I had talked to enough voices that finally something stuck. And so I took this new interviewing technique and um, kept pushing forward and finally uh, I was hanging out with some of my classmates at a um, trivia night and they said oh yeah did you hear that Liberty Mutual is coming around campus again um, and I was like oh okay they're like yeah you should check this out so I went to this internship uh, interview um, well let me back the train up a little bit so I reached out uh, was able to name drop some of my friends they're like, oh, yeah, okay, we've heard of you. Um, you're on our list of people to, to interview as, when we're coming back to campus. So went through the phone screen, actually got the next interview, and I was like, no way. <laughs> so I, I flew up. I did uh, the second round in-person interview and actually did pretty well. Um, there was a few questions that I hadn't heard before, but they really resonated with me. So it was like, I kind of stumbled through all these other interviews and finally I found something that actually clicked. And it was funny because one of my interviewers um, was an alum from Tufts University, my alma mater. So we had a, a bit more of a connection there. So it was like one thing led to another. And I was just much more comfortable in the interview. I was better prepared in how to conduct myself and how to answer the questions. And I got the offer. So it, it took me a series of failures over three months um, and a lot of lessons learned before I finally got my internship um, offer. So I had a great summer. I learned a ton about business. I learned a ton about um, the customer experience. I learned about, you know, really what it means to operate in a Fortune 100 company, which I didn't have any exposure to before. So it was, it was definitely um, a lot of lessons that I needed to learn and a lot of steps that uh, I needed to take before I was ready to, to do that internship. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think it's a great story. And I'd love the, love the honesty and the reality of, you know, going from 50 interviews to, or 50 applications to one offer. And cause it, yeah, it happens. And, but you know, at the end of the day, all you need is one, which you got, yeah. which is just great. But um, I think that's also a really critical and reflective look back at the process you went through, maybe some of the things that you could have done better. And, and I think that one of the things that sticks out to me, you know, as you kind of navigated it is just the ability to be persistent and to, to continue to use what you've learned to continue moving, but still being mindful and open to making tweaks, you know, as needed, right. To, to eventually get you towards, towards where you, or towards your end goal, which was to get, you know, to get, get the offer in and of itself. Um, but I think it also speaks to a very real reality, I think, for many students in that management consulting is, is a challenging, I mean, every interview process is challenging in its own right, but management consulting in particular is a really challenging one. And I think a lot of times people will look at the numbers, you know, for a particular school in terms of the placement for management consulting, and then they're like, oh, this is really high, this is really good. And, and that's probably true. But particularly, you know, at a lot of schools, it can be really tough to get, you know, it can be really competitive, not because people are competing against each other per se, but it's just, 
there's only so many spots and there's only so many firms. And so, um, I think, I think that's just something to like, you know, keep in, uh, keep in mind. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the, and where your story really comes in is that even if you don't end up where you think you are intentioned to go, there's always a plan B or plan C and that in and of itself is like a, it can be a really good, really good experience. And it sounds like you had a good summer experience. So I guess, you know, on that notion, could you just at a high level, you know, talk a little bit more about what you worked on uh, for the summer or just anything you learned from that summer internship experience that was really valuable or really important? Yeah. Um, so I worked for a uh, Fortune 100 company, um, insurance company. And when I, I can remember at the end of the interview, they're like, so do you have any idea what kind of project you want to work on? And I was like, you know, I want to do something different that's not related to the experience that I have. And they said, okay. Um, and I got placed in the, one of the customer insights group, um, one of the customer insights groups. And it was fantastic. I learned so much. Um, I had never done any sort of role like that before. And they gave me kind of this small one-off task. It was like, you know, some VP somewhere was probably like, hey, what if we did this kind of thing? And they're like, all right, Ben, here's this random thing. Go check it out. Go explore it. We brainstormed and came up with this idea. So, okay, so I talked to the person who first came up with the idea. And they gave me some details. And then I figured, okay, I've got to set up all these different interviews throughout my uh, 10-week internship to try to figure out what we can do with this idea, what we couldn't do, where were we hemmed in with the, the legal ramifications and how big the opportunity was going to be in terms of revenue or a new customers. Um, I got to play around with some of the advanced models they had on customer acquisition. And that really blew my mind as to, you know, uh, what you could do with a really powerful model. Um, and so it was all these things that I'm sure if you've been in business, you're like, Oh yeah, that's, that's pretty common. But you know, I can imagine if, if you were, if you flip the roles and, and you sat down with me when I was an engineer and I showed you some of the models we were doing for, uh, to figure out stormwater modeling and, you know, what yeah. rainfall looks like, it'd be Greek to you too. So for me, it was just such a learning experience in all different ways. And I will say that like, that learning is not just in business. Um, I was challenged personally because, you know, when you do a summer internship in a different city, a lot of times you're living in student housing and we're in this fifth floor um, student housing in Boston in the summer. And the first night I was there, uh, the heat wasn't on and it was 40 degrees and I froze. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so I got into my, my second day of work and I just didn't sleep because I was freezing the whole night and uh, probably looked terrible. Uh, we kind of suffered through that. And then I think, Two days later, this is just as summer is starting up in Boston, and um, it was like 80 degrees, and I'm like dying because there was no air conditioning. So um, I think at the end of the first week, I got on Craigslist and went and bought a window air conditioning unit, and that saved my entire summer. So it's like, you know, you don't think about it. You think, oh, it's just going to work at a new job. But no, it's like there's so many other different aspects because you're moving. You're living with new people. You're trying to figure out a new routine in the city. Um, you know, I, when I was an engineer, I was, uh, commuting by car every day, uh, in the suburbs, whereas I rode, um, the subway up in Boston, the T and, uh, that was a completely different experience. Cause let me tell you the T in late July is, uh, yeah. not a fun place to be. No, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, it, it, it's a learning experience on a lot of different fronts. Um, and if anybody tells you it's easy, they're not pushing themselves hard enough. Um, and that's, that's also one of the challenges. It's like, you know, as soon as I thought, okay, I think I'm getting this, uh, I had to remind myself, no, 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 I've got to excel. I've got to push something as, as far as I can and, and really try to get as much value out of it for both personally and for the company to show that, you know, um, I was somebody that they wanted to hire. So yep. you're constantly pushing yourself, constantly questioning yourself and constantly learning. Uh, so, you know, kind of in summary, I, I think I learned a lot and most of it was from the job, but a lot of it wasn't. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good, I think it's a really good point to make in terms of what you learn is just not restricted to what goes on in the internship. It, it, it expands far outside of that. And I think also 
to your to your point um the the internship is you know 10 10 or 12 weeks sort of like whatever it is which is not really a lot of time and yeah you may have goals for yourself but at the end of the day i think ultimately like what you want to do is to be able to walk away from it to say that for these 10 or 12 weeks i i really did whatever i could to make the best of it and to put my best self forward so that that's what they when i leave like people will will believe that to be true that i really did give everything to this that i that i could and i think that is something that i i think is super important and i think that many summer interns they i think they get part of that but they don't get all the way there and whether that's because they um they're a little they're not as proactive as they could be in terms of really going out of the way to do that whether it mean they don't realize like uh, until it's maybe like too late not too late but until later on and they have to kind of course correct and and move fast yeah. towards the end because yeah. it, it is it is short but you do want to do whatever you can to get the most out of it for yourself but also you know to be able to put that best foot forward particularly if you're some if you end up being someone who wants to try to convert that internship into a into a full-time opportunity so so talk to me a little bit more about so you do your internship you get back to campus and what was recruiting like in terms of your recruiting the second time around and 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 in, in your second year um that's a good question um and you know so i went through that long funnel uh trying to get my internship and I came out of that thinking, you know what, I interviewed with a lot of companies that I just didn't want to work for. And it was, this sounds a little brash, but it was, it was a waste of my time, but it was also really a waste of those companies times. And there were slots, there were interview slots that I had that maybe could have gone to some of my classmates, Uh, who knows, or maybe I just squeaked in. Um, But anyways, so I got back on campus and I was much more focused. I, anybody who asked me, Hey, what are you doing for recruiting? there's five companies I want to talk to and that's what I'm focused on. And I got interviews from six different companies. I think I got one bonus company, but um, so I had, I went, I did those six interviews and that was it. So I spent all my time focused on those interviews and you think, Oh, you're putting all your eggs in one basket. But that, that really wasn't the analogy for me because those were the five companies that I wanted to work for. So those are the five companies that I can feel really enthusiastic about interviewing for and really enthusiastic about preparing for. Um, was I concerned that I might have had to go to a plan B? Yeah. Um, and I'm glad it didn't get to that. Uh, and there were some companies like of those six interviews that I had, I think one of them, I was, man, I was halfway through and I was like, you know what? I don't know if I really want to work for this company because I think I asked a question and um, the answer that I got from a, from a senior partner in this consulting firm really kind of um, I was, a, it didn't, it didn't kind of jive with the values that I had. So I was like, you know what, maybe this isn't the company for me and I didn't get the job. And so I think we we're both in a better place. Um, but where this ended up, I had my extreme focus. So I was able to focus on networking more. I was able to tune my resume for each interview. I, it gave me more time to prepare for each interview. Um, and I came out with that and I was uh, really excited for um, the, the, the company that I, I actually finally got an offer from. Um, and so it didn't take me more than a couple of days to, to accept. Um, but it was funny. It's like, I tell people, I, uh, <laughs> I got into one business school, I got one internship offer and I got one job offer and I yeah. could not have been happier with my, uh, business school experience at UNC Keene and Flagler. My internship was fantastic. I learned a lot and made some really good friends. And the uh, job offer that I got, um, man, almost uh, almost four years ago, um, I'm still working for that company and I really enjoy it. So I will say that uh, maybe I took the hard way on a couple of these things, but um, you know, I think especially going into second year, having that focus view and really narrowing um, down my selection set gave me the, the time to kind of reflect, do I want to work for this company? And I, will I be happy um, with, with uh, the offers that I get? So. That's, that's great. And I, I love, I love everything you said there um, because 
what it strikes me and, and part of the reason why I wanted to bring you on on this is that I think what you've done throughout you, you what you did throughout your entire experience at in business school was being able to take an experience that just happened and to be able to synthesize it, learn from it, and then whatever you learned to incorporate that into how you proceeded moving forward. And so if I think about recruiting for internships your first year versus like recruiting from internships your second year, it was very clear to me that you synthesized what happened in the first year and used it to inform how you approached your second year. And I think that's, it, that that shows learning and that shows growth and and that and that's that's great and i think that's that's valuable and in addition to that i also think to your point it you know when you when you were in that interview and you got that answer that didn't feel right part of the reason why you were able to i think to get that and you can tell me if i'm wrong but i think it has a lot to do with the fact that you sat through 50 interviews in your first year and you realized some of the things that were important to you and that some of the things that weren't and yeah, you know, being, yeah. being able to have like a set of criteria that you could adhere to. And, you know, upon hearing that thing, it triggered and was like, okay, well that's great. Cause I don't, this is not somewhere based off of the criteria that I set for myself that is going to really work for me. And yep. I think there's a, there's a strength and maturity in, in, in that, because I think it varies, it's very easy to sometimes to anchor on, did I get this offer or how many offers did I get? And not around, well, is, does this even make sense for me based off of my own priorities and my own kind of values or goals or whatever that it is? So, yeah, for sure. And man, I thought I wanted to work for, you know, company yeah. A, and, and I apologize for, for being vague, but this is consulting. This is what we do. Yeah, sure. <laughs> And I thought, man, I really wanted to work for company A and I knew everything that they did, but I ended up working for a, a totally different company that I hadn't heard about before I started sure. school. So it's yeah. like, you know, some people go after the name recognition and that matters, but like, um, maybe that yeah. isn't the thing. And so, yeah, I had to, I had to adjust my expectations and I, I kind of, like you said, that those criteria. And I think the word I would use is, is values really. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I got a better understanding of, of what was core for me. Right. Like you said. Yeah. But I think that's also why I think it's great that when you said that you're one of the things you wish you knew was just about failure. Right. And, and, and to be more okay with it or to expect more of it, because if you hadn't failed on some of those things, then you may not have learned some of that. Right. And so, yeah. Um, so I think that's really key. Yeah. It wouldn't have, uh, push me to reach out to people like you and say, Al, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll just call that other company, that other consulting company. I don't know. Maybe we'll just call them Acme Co. You know, that sounds like a pretty innovative name, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, consulting jokes. Um, all right. So I guess, and we've covered maybe some of this, but I guess maybe in summation, um, you know, what did you learn from going through that, internship and full-time recruiting process that maybe still sticks with you as you think about your own post-MBA kind of career development process or career growth or, or what have you? Like, what are some of the things that you maybe learned going through that internship and full-time process that still kind of stick with you as you think about your post-MBA career? Ooh, good question. Um, uh, I think... So in my internship, it was a little funky because I started out with one manager and she was an ex-consultant. And so she, she was pretty good about feedback. And halfway through the summer, I switched to a different manager, the same project. And they kind of handed off to a different manager. And I was like, oh, and this guy was, um, he, he had started in the field and he came up through um, the corporate office with a totally different background. And so I had to switch my, my approach to asking for feedback kind of halfway through the summer because he had never managed an intern before. And so it was a little bit of a different experience for him because all of a sudden he's asking me like, hey, how should we do this? Whereas the first part of the summer, it was like, okay, here's what we need to do. And we're gonna check in every three days. I'll put time on my calendar and you can ask me any question and we can talk about things. And, and so it was, it was this very straightforward process to, and it switched over to, to a much 
less straightforward process. And so for me, that kind of reinforced that getting feedback and, and helping myself grow was really something that I needed to drive. Um, and I think I've, I've tried to apply that to my professional career by going into every development meeting, um, approaching every project saying, okay, you know, in a very structured way, here are the things that I did. This is what I improved on. This is where I still need to, to put in some work. And here's what I need from you, you being whoever I was having this conversation with, the senior manager or somebody. Um, here's what I need to succeed in my next project, in my next uh, quarter. Um, and so being structured and proactive in my kind of uh, development approach um, helped me out. and and. You know, I think I struggled with that for a few weeks in my internship, but kind of got the hang of it. And it was like, oh, yeah, you know, I do really need to be um, focused on this if I wanted to push myself and, and grow and learn. Um, so that was I think that structure approach was was a big thing that I took away from my internship experience and was able to apply to my professional career. Yeah. No, I think that's a great I think that's a great lesson. And I, what I kind of take away from it is just the importance of being proactive and really, particularly from a career perspective, really owning your career. And that phrase, owning your career, it used to get thrown around all the time when I, <laughs> at uh, another company, which I don't want to <laughs> no, at, no, at, uh, I used to work at Deloitte. I don't mind saying that, at Deloitte. And, and it was thrown around a lot and it was trite, but it was also true. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like you are responsible for your own, you know, career development and your own career goals, growth and setting those goals. And there will absolutely be people that need to help you and support you in order to get there. You can't do it alone, but no one's gonna, no one's gonna wait for you to, to, no one's gonna wait around to, to wait for you to kind of come up with it. Like you have to do that on your own. And, you know, for me personally, I have never been in a situation where I went to someone where I, I did was proactive about my own growth and said, you know, here's what I want to do, or here's what I'm thinking, or here's yep. what I would like to see and had them like, look at that negatively. If anything, they respect, you know, I think they really respect that you do. They may not be able to help you always, but like, it's one of those things that like, it really is on you to do. And I think that's particularly true in consulting firms in particular. Um, yep. Yep. It's, it's so key and so critical. Um, no, I think that's a really, I think it's really good. It's really good learning. Um, so I guess maybe to, to wrap and, you know, one of the reasons why I, when I was writing this book, like you were one of the first people that I reached out to, you know, in addition to, you know, wanting to keep updated on what I was doing, but one of the reasons why I wanted you to really be featured in it was because to me, I think you know, the book is titled MBA, MBA Insider, How to Make the Most of Your MBA Experience. And I think if anyone has ever really embodied that, it really has been you just in terms of everything you've done in school at every given turn regardless if it was a high or a low, like, I feel like you've always had that mindset of, you know, well, how do I make, how do I get the most out of this situation? Or how do I, how do I make the most of this situation? And so that was one of the reasons why you were a no brainer to reach out to you when I was writing the book. But I guess maybe just to, to end here, um, particularly right now, and for context right now, COVID-19 is uh, uh, enveloping all of us and just knowing the circumstances and situation, what advice do you have for MBA students who are in school right now, and just in terms of how they can make the most of their MBA experience? I mean, I think it's an important question no matter what the circumstances were, but just in particular right now with this extra layer of um, challenge that exists, you know, what, what would you say or what kind of guidance do you have to, to really help students figure out how can, they can make the best of this, this situation? Good question. And Al, I appreciate the compliment. And uh, I'm glad you reached out because uh, you are always pushing the boundaries on ways to explore business school and the whole experience. Um, so I'm glad you Thank reached you. out. Yeah. Um, man, this is such a challenge. But like, I, I was having a conversation with, with a friend about it. It's like, I can remember um, playing high school soccer, and we would be miserable when it was raining. And yeah. the game would go on as long as there's no lightning or whatever. But the coach always said, he's like, look, the other team out there is faced with the exact same challenges. It's yeah. not about who plays, who, you know, who's a stronger team. It's about who adapts to the rain better. Now, rainy soccer game is 
is not the same as a global pandemic. Certainly the challenges are bigger. <laughs> so, Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to minimize that. Um, but it's like, you know what? All of your classmates are facing the exact same challenges. So lean on each other, you know, um, reach out, schedule uh, virtual happy hours. Like, I don't know, um, a friend emailed around a group of us a, uh, a video he made, um, a power hour. So, you know, he's like, all right, we're all going to do this, this virtual power hour. And I was like, oh, that's a little bit different. I mean, you know, not everything in business school is about drinking, just to clarify, but like, it's an example of like, push yourself to do something a little bit different. Um, push yourself to find new ways to engage. And you know what, you know, don't be afraid to do that because speaking to future MBA students, it's like everyone else is in that same boat. You're all eager to connect. I mean, we all know that that's such a huge part of the business school experience and it's not a mystery. You know, that's not, that's not uh, something that, surprises a lot of people about business school that, that everyone out there is, is is interested in connecting and learning so jump in there and put yourself out there because you'll find that your classmates are also willing to to try out new ideas and, and try out new ways of connecting um, so i know that that's that's not groundbreaking advice you know reach out and connect but i guess what i'm trying to do is just give you the confidence that um, if you put yourself out there people will follow. Um, so yeah. I'll tie that back to the, the, the um, ice bucket challenge, right? I said, hey guys, we should do a video. And all of a sudden we had 300 people dumping buckets of water and ice on their heads with a fire truck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take much. Like just be that spark and people will, will love you and follow you. Um, yeah. And on the same note, if you see somebody with that spark, follow them, try out their idea, see what yeah. happens. Um, I don't have all the answers for, for all the ways to do that, but, uh, I could say that when you see it, you'll know it when, when you have an idea and, and you've all of a sudden somebody's like, oh yeah, we should do that. And that group of two turns it's into 17 or 300, like you'll know it and you'll feel it. And those connections will happen. So just, you know, push yourself and try out new ways of connecting, but have confidence that people will be there with you in the same boat. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great advice. And I love the analogy you gave, you know, about soccer. It's like, yeah, it's the, everyone's got the same set of conditions and, yep. and it, it's on you to choose how to, uh, what, how you're going to respond to that. And, yep. um, and, and even if it is a virtual experience in this case, there's still plenty to be, to be gained, you know, from it. Right. And so it's just okay. trying to, trying to make the most of that. Um, ben Thayer, uh, thank you so much for jumping on, for sharing your journey to UNC Keenan Flagler, talking a little bit about the transition to school, as well as your your kind of consulting recruiting process. It's It's been awesome to have you and appreciate you sharing all of your stories and wisdom and guidance. Al, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.